Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source from Roman history, science, and theology. I'm Rick Bennett. Following a stint at St. Olaf's College in Minnesota, Eugene England sought employment at BYU. He also was one of the founders of a magazine called Dialogue. It's a Mormon history magazine that's been going since the 60s. Did it cause problems for his employment at BYU? Dr. Terrell Givens is the biographer of Stretching the Heavens, uh, the life of Eugene England. So, yeah, it did, in short. So, Eugene, uh, Dr. Terrell Givens is going to tell us more about that in our next conversation. Check it out. So he applied for all kinds of positions, all kinds of jobs uh, everywhere. He was desperate. He had a wife. He had uh, several children by this point. And he found a position, found two positions. One, he found part-time employment with the church educational system, teaching institute back here in Utah. And uh, then he also secured a position at the church historical department. Leonard Arrington felt uh, a great friendship and affinity for him, an appreciation of his scholarship and potential. And so he was hired as a researcher part-time in the church history department during those kind of Camelot years, right, early 1970s. And most of his work there was uh, with Mormon journals and diaries, and specifically on uh, biographical materials for Brigham Young. Uh, and I'm trying to remember, Dialogue started... Was that in the 60s? That was the late 60s. Um, so he was part of that too, which kind of got him into trouble later. Well, certainly. That's, like, that's the recurrent, uh, what, what do I want to say? Uh, kind of theme of his life? Theme of his life was his <laughs> affiliation with Dialogue. Now, didn't Elder Oaks help start Dialogue as well? I don't know if he helped start it, but he was one of the early, and I, I should know this, but I can't remember, contributor or one of the editorial board. Certainly supportive. Right. And there was just widespread enthusiasm for the project. Um, this period of the mid to late 1960s was a kind of period of intellectual ferment in the church. There was a, a great deal of uh, discussion about where can we find a forum for the exploration of Latter-day Saint uh, intellectuals and scholars, uh, their ideas, that isn't constrained by orthodoxy or, or by what would become church correlation. And uh, so he was one of the two or three primary founders of the dialogue. Elder Oaks? Uh, no, no uh, Gene Eugene England. England. Gene. Okay. Uh, uh, was it Wes Anderson who was the other? I've, I've forgotten some of the other names. And uh, so they launched that to great fanfare. There were national press uh, gave them attention and write-ups. Was that a good or a bad thing? Well, it ended up being a bad thing because the person that they interviewed, one of the other editors, uh, made it sound like this is going to be an avant-garde, leftist, activist kind of journal. And uh, he, he used language in the interview that was published in, in national media that immediately created an impression that alarmed some of the brethren. And so from almost from day one, they were working to overcome an impression that they were activist, agitators, left-leaning. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Gene, he labored diligently and really energetically to try to steer a middle path where people were free to express themselves on both sides of the theological and political divide. Um, but that's proved a recurrent difficulty in <laughs> Latter-day Saint culture to steer right a middle, a middle moderate kind of path. You can look at the history of almost every independent journal that's come up or every independent 
organization, right, uh, of, of intellectuals, and they immediately tend to veer far right or far left. And uh, so it was made known to him very uh, directly and explicitly that his affiliation with dialogue was a problem, an impediment to his hiring at BYU. And uh, so he did not secure a position here until he had divested himself of his role as an editor, although he continued to contribute over the years. And that would have been about 1975, I think, is when he first started teaching here. So he, so yeah, so he was teaching at the, um, with the institute? Teaching the institute part-time. Part-time, was that at the University of Utah? Uh, I don't believe it was. I don't remember where, where that okay. appointment was. But then he was still in Salt Lake with the church history department. That's right. Leonard Arrington. That's right. And he never got a full-time position there, so it was, it was half-time at both places, uh -huh. essentially. Okay. And so he really wanted to get on at BYU and, and tell us. I, it's funny because there are names in there of people that I know, like Bob Rees. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember a few other names in there. I was like, oh, these are still living people that I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people who, who were witnesses to many of these unfolding dramas. Yeah. Um, but he applied his first time he was turned down. He was not shy about approaching the brethren and asking them for clarification or to fill in blanks in his understanding of what was transpiring. Um, uh, he spent quite a few afternoons just up there at the church administration building seeing who was in their office and who we could speak to. And uh, it was generally uh, Elder Packer that um, he interacted with the most in regards to his, his pursuit of a BYU position. And Elder Packer made it pretty clearly known to him early on that it was his affiliation with dialogue. Gene would later complain to Elder Packer that, well, you, you didn't tell me that I had to quit. And Elder Packer would say, well, I, I think the implication was pretty clear. Gene would say, well, I'm not very good at reading signs. You have to be direct with me. <laughs> and uh, so when it was made clear, then he did resign. And so a year later, he was, he was hired. And so he, be he became a full-time employee of BYU. I think it was 75. And that was in the English department. He started. Yes, in the English department. And that ended up uh, being kind of a perfect storm of uh, wrong circumstances and timing for Gene England to become a professor at BYU because in the 1970s, um, moving into the 80s, that was kind of the high point of, of a revolution in American English departments. Um, I think it was Henry Kissinger who, who, who said, at least it's attributed to him, that the the, the, the fights, the civil wars in American English departments are the most vicious ever seen because the stakes are so low. <laughs> and, and that's an accurate description of my own experience coming of age as an academic in the late 1980s, actually in my case, where there's, you know, there's all kinds of new isms. There's feminism and there's post-structuralism and deconstruction and structuralism and semiotics and reader response criticism. And in other words, it just, the list goes on and on and on. And there were very uh, important political stakes associated with all of these diverse groups. And at BYU, at this moment, a decision had been made to try to bring more women onto the faculty. And of course, most women trained in higher education in the 1970s are fem would be feminist in orientation. And of course, many in the church saw that as inconsistent with good Right, good standing. This is going to lead to an Elder Packer talk, I can tell. That's, that's right, it does. <laughs> and of course, we all know that right, feminism becomes one of the kind of um, 
uh, well, it becomes sing comes to be singled out as a as one of the threats to the church, right? And um, even though institutionally BYU had made the decision to move forward with hiring more women and and uh, at least tacitly allowing feminist theories of literary criticism interpretation to be a part of that English department, and Jane England is a very strong champion of of those tendencies and directions, but there was great resistance within the department and outside the department, and a couple of high-profile uh, dismissals uh, from BYU uh, of outspoken feminists. Uh, other issues involved as well, right? Uh, uh, abortion in one prominent case, uh, pro-choice views. And so this all added to Jean England's tendency to be a kind of provocateur, right, meant that his years at BYU were almost always uh, involved controversy and tempestuous conflict. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about uh, the, those feminists? Because they didn't make tenure either. What were the issues involved there? Well, um, the, the most prominent case was um, um, Farr, Cecilia Farr, and she gave a speech, uh, I, I believe it was on the state capitol in Utah, in which she insisted that one could be a um, pro-choice advocate of abortion rights and a faithful member of the church. Which Harry Reid was. Which Harry Reid was, but he was not a BYU professor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, she was given to know that that was not the sentiment of uh, BYU administrators uh, and or the brethren. It's always hard to know exactly who is making the, the, the judgment calls. But they, they like it that way, don't they? Well, there's, there's a certain principle of deniability maybe that may be relevant here. <laughs> but uh, so, so she was denied tenure. And all indications are that that was the principal reason her scholarship seemed to be first rate, her teaching evaluation seemed to be first rate. And, uh, and so she had a lot of sympathy from the national media and from a few powerful voices within the department, including, including Jane England, but she lost her, she lost her case. And uh, I think that left lasting fissures in the English department. Well, they persisted for years. Are they still there? I don't think so, but I don't have enough affiliation. In the You're English not in the English that. department no, anymore. No. <laughs> you don't deal with them anymore, I guess. No. But you do teach here occasionally, don't you? I, uh, I have been teaching a course once a year here at, at BYU through the humanities uh, department. And it's a course on uh, belief and doubt in life and literature. And so it's an opportunity to kind of examine the, the history of unbelief in the modern age and to uh, engage seriously uh, tough questions about God and faith and our faith in particular. Uh, so I, I've had a really good time teaching that to outstanding students for a couple of years now. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Terrell Givens. By the way, I'm giving a book away a free book called The God Who Weeps, and it's autographed by Terrell Givens. So if you'd like to get in uh, and win this book, sign up to gospeltangents.com slash Terrell, T-E-R-R-Y-L, and you could win this autographed copy. But in our next conversation, I'm going to ask Terrell if it's okay to ask hard questions at church. I think it is now. Uh... I think it is um, 
Uh, I, I have had experience working uh, as a consultant with the church history department on a number of projects. And the very direct and explicit uh, instructions and feedback that I was party to um, with the brethren was unambiguously be honest, get it all out, and there isn't any topic which we are not uh, comfortable addressing. Thanks for listening to Gospel Tangents. If you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, please subscribe at patreon.com slash gospeltangents. You can hear the entire interviews there. Also, check out our new, improved, uh, user-friendly website at gospeltangents.com. We've made it much more user-friendly, so check that out. Click here to subscribe, here for a transcript, and over here we've got more of our great videos. Thanks again.